Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of Wake Up Call podcast. Today, we have another panel episode. However, sadly, today, Danny couldn't be here, so it's only Vishva, me, and Archie. And we wanted to do an episode about politics uh, and about political scandals, I guess you could say that. We wanted to answer the question whether politicians deserve privacy and how much of it do they actually deserve. But before that, we have a special uh, kind of intervention into our episode to advertise something to all of you. We know that a lot of our listeners are young people who are interested in the world, perhaps volunteer or work with other people who are similar. Uh, Perhaps maybe some of you even have your own businesses or dream of creating your own companies. And if you are someone like that, we have a really great opportunity for you. So recently we were invited to participate in a conference called Creative Shock that's taking part in Lithuania, but it's an international conference for social businesses. So the Creative Shock is a social business case competition, which was founded in 2011. This year, the event will happen for the 13th time. It is really unique as university students from any country of the world studying any field can join it completely for free and compete for cash prizes of 3,000, 1,000 and 500 euros. Apart from that, by solving cases, the participants actually help real social businesses in Lithuania and abroad as every case is prepared about an existing social business. So if you're interested, this competition has a few rounds. To have a possibility to compete for the cash prize, you have to solve two preliminary cases. One is financial and one is about marketing. And get ranked as one of the top 10 teams by the professionals of the jury of Creative Shock. The top 10 teams will then be invited to come to Lithuania for the final weekend of the competition. And food, accommodation, and many other activities during their stay will be provided by the organizers, so you don't have to worry about that. Everything will be covered for you. And every year, the organizing team obviously tries to create as many possibilities for the participants to meet those social businesses of Lithuania as possible. During the final weekend, you will have possibilities to network with each other, have bonding activities, obviously meet a lot of people who are extremely successful in social business, uh, perhaps get some motivation, get some connections, so you could start your own professional career. So some more concrete info, if I persuaded you to participate, and we will leave the registration link in the episode information below. The final weekend always takes place on the last weekend of November. So this year it will be November 23rd to 26th. And the conference is always on Saturday, so the 25th of November. Obviously, if you do participate in the conference, you will hear many, many amazing speeches by famous people. They've had Forbes 30 under 30 nominees. In general, just true social business lovers. A few of the famous names that they've had are Sophia Sunwu, Sophia Slater, Atif Chonhuri, Roland Greifield, and many more. Once again, if this is something that's interesting to you, if you want to hear our speech in the conference, because me and Vishwa will also be giving a speech, 
And if you want to get some connections, the registration link is in the episode description. It is totally for free, and I really, really encourage everyone to try it out. So now, uh, without any further ado, let's actually get into the episode. Thank you so much, Melda. Um, yeah, it sounds like this case competition is a really good idea. Um, and yeah, encourage everyone to sign up, of course. Um, okay, so today we're going in a different direction than case competitions. We are talking about the private lives of public people. Public people, the people that lead us, our politicians. This idea was sort of spawned by the recent highly publicized divorce of Justin and his wife Sophie Trudeau uh, that was making shockwaves across Canadian media. Um, And yeah, generally, I think that we wanted to look into political scandals and whether they're appropriate, whether they're relevant, uh, and to what degree a politician's personal life uh, should interfere in their public presence. All right, Arch, we're going to start off with you. I'm going to read a statement. You're going to agree or disagree with it, and you're going to explain why. Does that, does that make sense? That makes, that makes sense. Let's, let's do it. That makes sense. All right. Sacrificing some of your privacy is included. Sorry, you know what? I'm going to be even more affirmative about this. Sacrificing your privacy is included in a politician's job description. Agree or disagree? Can I, can I be that, that annoying guy who says kind of somewhat agree? Somewhat agree? Sure. As long as you justify it. Like, I don't, I don't think it's a binary thing, right? Um, yeah, obviously, polit- the job description of a politician includes being paid attention to by the people whom you're representing, and a lot of the time, a lot of other people too, and particularly in a country like the UK, I'd say more so than Canada, more so than the US, although maybe the same as the US, the media's out to get you, right? Because people think politicians are, you know, well, they are important, and Therefore, when they mess up, it's relevant, and that that feeds views, and that feeds advertising money, and therefore the media's gone rabid. But it's yeah, obviously you sacrifice some of your privacy. Whether that is because people are interested, and that's just where the advertising money is, or whether it's some kind of political principle that the people deserve to know, I think that's what we're going to get into, and that's probably at this stage of the conversation not something I have a concrete answer to. But I think it's something that we've seen recently go too far. We've had the Hugh Edwards scandal in the UK. We've had Justin and and Sophie's divorce. Granted, I don't think the Canadian media is as on it as the UK, and therefore I've heard less about it. Uh, You've had, at least here in the UK, uh, Boris Johnson. That was uh, just three years of great entertainment, as far as the media is concerned. Uh, so, yeah, I think obviously you have to sacrifice some of your privacy more so than any other regular job. Uh, the reasons behind that I'm not, I'm not so certain on yet. How about you, Milda? What do you think? Yeah, I perhaps agree a bit more than Archie. I wouldn't say somewhat agree. And I guess I would mention the point of accountability. I think fully that politicians right now are glamorized way too much and kind of almost seen as the elite gods when they're they should be public servants and nothing more than that and being a public servant means that obviously you're scrutinized you should be very very open about um, your connections and your true motives and values and what you want to do in the country and community that you 
are responsible for. So yeah, I think fully it's a job where you have to share some of your private details. And even if some of your private details get out without your consent, you just have to deal with it. Yeah, I think that both of you guys are, are touching on sort of the next thing that I wanted to talk about, which is the, the relevance of their public life to their, sorry, of their private life to their public office. And I think that there's a pretty big distinction between the sort of sex scandals and the and the financial scandals and whatever, and just reporting on per, like personal marriage troubles that a politician has. I think that those are pretty different camps of things. And I think that while they're both included in private life, I think that their relevance to public office is completely different. I think that generally like coverage of politicians families unless it's like directly relevant for example like i think that the hunter biden stuff seems fairly appropriate considering that he has some crazy business dealings but hunter biden's struggles with cocaine i don't think are necessarily things that we should be demonizing or judging joe biden for i don't know if if that take makes sense can you have one without all of it I might throw this one over to Milder in terms of the relevance of it, because I think it might be something I'm pushing back on her. Yeah, no, I definitely agree that some things are more important than others. Like, there was a famous case in Lithuania where, um, well, there were two most popular candidates for president. One was a woman, other was a man. And the woman was um, unmarried, didn't have children, but she was obviously, you know, not in her twenties or thirties. She was a grown woman. And a lot of people use that as a legit argument against her being president, uh, because she doesn't have a real life, a real family, and she cannot know how to rule a country. Therefore, I don't know. That's you just, you know, horrible for me. And that's why, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to capitalize off of this information or spread it so i do think that especially when it comes to family and sexuality that information should not be released without the consent of the politician however that is a very thin line between those sex scandals where uh, something inappropriate happens with a politician and a very young person for example that Archie, I think, told us about last week when we met. I I, I don't know. I sometimes wonder where, whether, like, with my standard, an affair is even something appropriate for the media to cover um, by my standard. Because, I mean, in reality, that doesn't really affect anyone else. But I guess it's a testament to their moral character, Arch. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what I was going to say. I mean, if if they... Well, a lot of politics is is making a commitment to do something and then you're required to follow through on it because that's the mandate that you're elected on. Let's say you're married. You've made a commitment to someone else to do a certain set of things um, that's widely agreed upon. I mean, kind of probably varies by religion, but widely agreed upon. If you haven't followed through with it, and particularly if you tried to hide it, I think that says a lot about you as a person and therefore has implications for what the voters need to know in terms of choosing who represents them no i mean i i think it i think it does but i don't know at, at the same time okay maybe maybe it's a testament of your of your commitment but there's politicians that have been extremely face, faithful husbands and, and and wives that 
have not followed through on their commitment. So I don't know if that's necessarily relevant. Is there some sort of statistic that that presidents that cheat on their spouses are are less likely to follow through on their commitments? I don't think that there's any sort of empirical data on that. Well, I mean, obviously, I don't have that in front of me. It's a fairly niche stat. Yeah, but, yeah I'm fair um, enough. It's interesting thing to do a PhD. No, of course there's going to be people who are committed wives and husbands who follow through on their political commitments. But I'm not suggesting that whether you cheat on your wife is the only indicator of whether you're a faithful politician, right? It's it's a fairly good indicator of what your regard for commi- your commitments to other people might be. It's not the only one. Okay, so then Okay, so then we push that a little bit further and say that maybe reporting on the internal strifes and the fights that you're having within your family are appropriate is because the way that you treat your family also I, I'm I'm guessing has some sort of reflection on your on your governance. I'm just I'm just intrigued as to how far we push that. Sure, but I think like having an affair is a, it's one of those where if you've had one, you've had one and that's it. You're forever someone who cheated on your wife. It's a fairly binary thing. It's like you either have committed to your marriage or you haven't. Whether you've argued, I mean, having arguments and, and conflicts at home is is not forbidden when you have your marriage vows, right? It's, yeah. it's fully part and parcel of a healthy relationship. Well, as long as it doesn't go too far. I do think that you can be very good at your job and have a bad personal life in your family. I mean, I think it's natural that, you know, especially with like, the values we have today that people cheat and people break up, divorce, uh, find someone new, have multiple children from different families. I wouldn't say that that necessarily constitutes that they would be a, a worse politician. And especially if everything's happening, you know, with respect, without any like abuse going on, um, then yeah, I don't think that is important at all. But with instances, especially where it's like Clinton, that's 49, and Lewinsky, that's 22, and working as an intern in the White House, that's a different story. And even if she wasn't an intern uh, working at the White House, even if she was just a random girl, uh, I still think that that would definitely need to come out because that's just not normal, in my opinion. So here's a question. Uh, I know, Vishwa, you've got a series of of questions and statements you want to discuss, but <laughs> if I could just throw that, this one Go in. Go for it. If you can't run your own personal life, how can you be expected to run a country? Right? If you can't, you know, keep your own stuff in order, why the hell should I trust you to keep my stuff in order? Archie, right? there's a lot of excellent MDs at investment banks that do exactly that every day. <laughs> sure, right. But that doesn't mean I'm pleased about that. And Fair. let's take a look at Boris Johnson right his personal life is an absolute mess as far as I'm concerned if you look I I don't know if this is still true and he's had a few children since but at one point his Wikipedia page under children said at least six because people had no idea and you know this is a man who's been in public in the public eye for years and years and years in UK politics rose to the absolute top had an absolute shambles of a, a personal life. He was going going through marriages, you know, at a rate of knots. Having children left, right, you know, the difference in ages of his children is is quite large, and that's completely fine, you know, if if this is what makes him happy. But there were there were rumours of of cheating, of him just being a generally horrible person, etc., etc. And if you look at the way he ran his cabinet and his regard for, let's say, COVID lockdown rules, or you know 
various other sort of permanent implements of public conduct, it's exactly the same. That That is an excellent point. Yeah, his regard for his personal relationships was the same as his regard for the rules that are meant to govern the rest of us. Didn't pay attention to them. Yeah. And you look across the if you look across the pond, Trump was very similar. His personal life has just been an absolute wreck for basically his entire public life. He had an affair with a porn star, didn't really care about the rules of marriage, paid her hush money, and then didn't really care about the rules of America. Now he's facing some indictments. Yeah, so I think these things should be reported, no? Because it, it gives you a good indication of whether they have regard for rules generally. Yeah, you know, no, I, I, I do, I do agree with that. I just, I just wonder um, how far we push that, and I think hopefully by the end of this episode, the three of us reach some sort of mutually agreed upon conclusion on what's appropriate and and what's what's not appropriate. Okay, so let's quickly shift gears and let's talk about politicians. Um, private um, wealth assets and investments and things like that. Um, this has been really trending lately in in the media with um, the Twitter account Unusual Whales um, publishing a bunch of the earnings reports of senators and congresspeople. And you can see that they have some very, very sus transactions indicating some sort of conflict of interest. What do you think about what do you think about this? Do you think that this is an admirable action or do we think that this is not cool to disclose people's public wealth? Uh, sorry, private wealth. I've spoken for a while, so Milda, you take no, the You know my answer to this probably. Of course, it's the most important thing, I think, in my personal opinion. Like, especially I love, for example, reading interviews of really successful people with high positions and all kinds of like government institutions and then uh, looking at what they say about for example people who are struggling in our country that no one wants to work anymore that everyone's so lazy that they just want to protest and they should just get their ass up and work and then you look at what their house looks like and they live in a mansion and you look at their parents like education and wealth and it all starts making a lot of sense so yeah i think it's super important it shows instantly shows what a politician is coming from where are they coming from what are their supposed values and of course i'm generalizing here but yeah especially in countries like the united states where money plays such a huge role in politics and lobbying is such a huge deal it's super important to know all of that information I mean, I think I take a slightly different approach. Of course, there are going to be politicians who are, who are born extremely wealthy and have used that to exert their influence and get to where they are today. But if you look at the role of a politician, particularly at you know a national scale, these are tough jobs that require a higher than average degree of intelligence, I would say, and you know long hours. You have to be selected by the public, so you have to be proven to be competent or in Boris Johnson's case entertaining and I think these are traits that that translate well in the the rest of the kind of commercial field and therefore you're going to have the same people who maybe they previously made it in business or maybe if they were in business would be successful and therefore are making a lot of money Uh, you're going to have those same people running for political office because it's the same skills that are required right 
in a lot of cases, particularly in the UK, you're having people who are willfully taking a pay cut to be politicians. So, of course, you're going to have people who, let's say, you know, decided to build their wealth for 10 years before going into politics. And, and that's a whole other discussion about politicians' pay and whether it should be higher, um, which we won't get into. But I think in terms of personal assets, the fact that they have large amounts of personal assets I don't think is a problem per se. It's when you get into... Okay, so there's a difference between having something and acting on a decision that the public doesn't know about yet, right? That's a, that's an action, which I think is separate from just owning a lot of stuff. And if you own a lot of stuff and it's diversified, of course it's going to be affected by decisions that governments make because that's just one of the byproducts of having stuff, right? So I think there's definitely a difference between like Congress insider trading and just being a wealthy politician. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely in agreement with Arch here. Um, I think that being wealthy and having a successful career in business before you become a politician, I think that these are some of the people that we want to be running our country in a way, because they're the people that have shown that they are actually capable of handling money. They're the people that are capable of knowing what it takes to run the financial world. And I think that one thing that we've seen for a long time is politicians' complete lack of understanding of the world of finance and business. Um, and that's led to a lot of problems and lots of really sketchy regulations. It allows them to be in the pocket of um, big capital, let's call it, um, more than they should be. Um, and I think, that, I think that we say, okay, if you're wealthy, you shouldn't become a politician. And I think that really discourages a lot of cool people from becoming politicians. And I think that what it shows more than anything, like Mitt Romney was the chair of Bain Capital and then stepped down and decided to become a politician. Clearly, this is something that he's doing for the public good and not for himself. But I do think that there needs to be a complete ban on politicians acting upon their private wealth while they're in office. I think that that should be handed over to a trust in their time in office. Yeah, I think there was there was this whole discussion uh, when Rishi Sunak, current UK Prime Minister, was sort of running to be leader of the Conservatives. He's worth something like 700 million quid. He's married to the daughter of one of India's richest men. His path in life was Winchester College, one of the most prestigious schools in the country, uh, Oxford, Stanford, Goldman Sachs, hedge funds, politics. You really couldn't have done it better from a wealth perspective. And everyone was saying, well, I can't relate to him because he's so wealthy. He doesn't understand what it's like to, to live uh, quote-unquote a normal life. Why the hell should he be running a country? And You could nod your head at that, it's fair enough, but equally... Oxford, Stanford, Goldman Sachs, hedge funds, not a difficult thing, not an easy thing to do, sorry. It's extremely difficult to maintain that kind of, you know, intellectual prowess for such a long time, to work those hours, to make those decisions, to be working with such responsibility, particularly at the young age that he was doing it. And equally, we talk about the wealth thing. He's not running to be our mate. You know, he's not running to be relatable. He's running for political office so he can run a country. It's not an easy thing to do. He's not people say, oh, we need more quote-unquote normal people in Parliament. Yes, to an extent, but 
you know, I wouldn't trust myself. To, I consider myself fairly normal. I wouldn't trust myself to run a country based on the fact that I'm quote unquote normal. It that just doesn't seem like a sufficient reason to be giving all this responsibility to these people because they're oh I relate to this person. Well, why should you relate to a prime minister? You're not one yourself. It doesn't make much sense to me. Before we let Melda respond to this, because I know that you disagree on some moral grounds between Archie and I. Um, with Archie and I, rather. But when, when on that Rishi Sunak point, I, I just really want to stress that I think that it's important that we don't demonize those that are capable, intelligent, and could make a bunch of money and maybe have made a bunch of money in another field, that we don't demonize them and discourage them from, go, from going into politics. Because... We know that politics is not necessarily a lucrative career. We've already spoken to about at length about how your personal life and your privacy gets compromised. Rishi Sunak could have been earning millions of dollars a year at some hedge fund, not having his family life thrust into the light whatsoever. He could have just basically stayed in the private eye, in the, in the, out of the public eye, made a whole bunch of money and lived a great life. But I think the fact that he went to public service... Again, I don't know anything about UK politics, whether he's been a good prime minister, whether he's been a bad prime minister. But I will say is that I do believe that he took a pay cut in becoming prime minister and he was not doing it for the money. And he was doing it because it was something that he felt would benefit others or he felt that what he had in his experience would contribute in some sort of positive way to the office of the prime minister. And I think that we should not discourage people from doing that. We shouldn't want normal people to be our leaders. We should want extremely capable, intelligent, um, and and successful people. Yeah, and that usually lines up with them having earned a lot of money because it's a good indicator. Yeah. Of that. One thing I'd say just before you start, Milda, is that everything I've just said there is no indication of support or um, not support because I can't think of a word for Rishi Sunak's politics. It's just a good example. Okay. Well, I think I fully agree with Vishwa that money should play less of a role of a role and whether it's putting that in a trust or just not allowing politicians to be shareholders and companies i definitely agree with that fact but generally i think that you're just giving too much slack to rich people really like i really have it hard trusting people who have lived in wealth their entire lives and go to an industry such as hedge funds, I really question whether they are morally <laughs> like better than me. Because I do think that in order to be in those industries, you have to be a bit selfish, and you have to prioritize the interests of the financially secure people as opposed to the interests of the wider public. And I really don't think that we discourage rich people from going into politics. It's happening left and right, literally everywhere. Rich people are going to politics every single day because they have those opportunities and it is much easier for them to get into those spaces. So I think I oppose. I think that we should really make politicians public servants, not rich men in suits that can dictate how our lives go. And we should encourage more normal people to have a say over their lives. To your point about us not discouraging rich people to go into politics, if you're earning a couple million a year as a hedge fund manager and someone says, hey, become a politician, salary's £80,000, 
that one sound a bit discouraging? But Rishi Sunak wasn't really losing anything. He has a huge financial safety net to rely on looking at his wife, looking at his extended family. I think that he he would just took it up as something that he enjoyed doing, something that, you know, he wanted to gain more popularity, something like that, just something interesting in his life because he's rich and he can allow himself that. Sure, but on on a broader, I mean that's one example on a kind of broader scale. Just those differences in salaries. I would say of course that discourages people from going into politics, right? Yeah, but th- I guess I took your point about discouraging people, rich people of going into politics more like a moral sense, like that we actively in the public speak about rich people and we demonize them and we are like against them going into politics. I think we do the opposite. I think we really glamorize rich people and support them, even though we're poor ourselves, which I don't get and I don't support. Fair. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we we glamorize it, but uh, I see your point. I, I, I think that the point boils down to this. I think that Milda's um, best case here is people that have grown up in privilege their whole lives do not understand the struggles of quote-unquote normal people and therefore will not produce policies that aid the general public and will generally aid their own socioeconomic class. Is that what you're saying? More or less. Okay, I agree that this is a generally true point. And if we talk about Rishi Sunak, that's very obvious um, that, that that could be the case because he's someone that, like uh, Archie said, went to a fancy um, private school and has been in privilege his whole life. But I think the broader point is more about people that have had successful careers in some other fields, like, like Mitt Romney or um, who's that guy that's running for president, that Indian Vivek Ramaswamy, who was a, a you know, biotech startup leader, but essentially just, yeah, sir. Who was the guy who was on the UBI train last, last lesson? Andrew Yang. Yeah. Andrew Yang, there you go. Yeah. yeah Andrew Yang. Yeah. People like that. People that have had, that, that, that are wealthy, not necessarily growing up in privilege, but have had successful careers or are extremely highly educated or, um, or whatever. I, I think that that fact alone should not, I think that, I, I think what Archie and I are saying is that these are people that are extremely capable of being rich and doing something completely different with their lives and not serving the public in any capacity. They'd make a lot more money and arguably they'd have a lot more power um, in that way. But instead they chose to take a pay cut and they chose to come to politics and sure, they're not perfect, but I think that that fact should not be demonized. And I think that that is a, generally, to me, a, a testament of someone that has good character and is in politics for the right reasons. Yeah. What I would say, just to round off the Rishi Sunak point, uh, because he's an example that I think we may have done to death by now. Uh, <laughs> sure, he hit the ground running in life, but he started to keep running, right? Like the jobs he's done aren't easy jobs. Did he get them? easier than some other people probably but he's evidently been successful in, in them right so well not everyone that went to winchester and um went to oxford and went to stanford becomes prime minister of the uk yeah there you go i mean they, they they're all rich they all did a great they all did very well for themselves but they didn't all go back and become politicians yeah i think another 
point, I'm maybe maybe switching gears slightly. Of course, people might be discouraged in going into politics if they're earning more than a politician might. Uh, equally, I think you might be discouraged from going into politics because you just don't want the attention, whether that's attention surrounding your finances or just attention surrounding your personal life. I think the likelihood that we lose a lot of talented people because the media is just a bit too much and they don't want that, I think the probability that happens is quite high. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. I think that most people, if given the the choice between keeping their family, their private life private and keeping their private life uh, constantly under scrutiny of, of the media would, would choose the former. And I think that that alone as a drawback, forget the, the pay cut, forget everything else. Even if they were willing to accept the pay cut, they just did not, don't want to bring their family into this. And I think that is an excellent argument in, in, in favor of keeping politicians' personal lives personal. Perhaps, yeah, I could see that happening. But I think if you're not a high-ranking politician, usually the media doesn't really try to publicize you as much. That's true, that's fair. And that's true. Also, I feel like that's why, just in general, with the, our whole discussion, transparency is so important. If you are truly a person that believes that they've acted morally in their life and that they just followed the path that they wanted to follow. They didn't hurt people along the way. That you know, why wouldn't? Why would you be scared of someone publishing some of your private details about what you did in your life? I think I wouldn't care personally. It sounds vaguely like, um, oh, so what if the CIA is wiretapping me? I don't have anything wrong to say. I'm not. I'm not a terrorist. Yeah, I think that just doesn't deal with the fact that people digging through your personal life regardless of whether you have something to hide isn't necessarily it might it may be an okay thing it may not but like you can't ignore that question yeah i i I also think that i've i've personally stopped caring about the videos of people when they were like 16 saying something stupid or tweeting something stupid i think that what's become more and more evident as the internet has progressed is that everyone did that when they were 14 or 15 and uh surprise people are different when they are 35 than when they are 15 and are more mature and it's not a good indication of the person same with whether they take a photo with someone controversial or whatever i just don't care yeah i i agree with that i think <laughs> we cling too much on what happened in the past yeah i i don't really have anything to say contra that i mean i think we're all in agreement <laughs> yeah i'm i'm I, i'm thinking i'm thanking god for um like deep fake ai getting so good that this is gonna become completely a completely obsolete thing in the next few years i think that'll be interesting in in terms of the truth and our relationship with it but that's a that's a chat for another time you're the only person thanking god that deepfakes are coming in <laughs> hey I, oh did i just expose myself yeah well, we're not I, yourself I we're not actually talking to you yes i'm talking see. to a deepfake of vishwa this is not this is not actually vishwa all right, everyone. Thank you so much, Arch. Thank you so much, Melda. I think this is a this is a great chat, and I'm glad that we concluded in the end that 15 year olds and their activities on social media do not matter to 40 year olds and their political life. It's a good note to end on. It's a it's a great note to end on. It's a note of common agreement. Thank you for a great discussion. Like Melda said at the top of the episode, make sure to check out Creative Shock and their case competition. It looks great. 
Um, and if you attend, you'll see a great presentation by us. Regardless, Arch, thank you for a great episode. Uh, let us know what you think um, in the comments. I think Spotify has comments now in the podcast session, so you can actually you can actually talk to us and we can and we can reply to you within Spotify. I think that'd be really fun. So if you're listening to this, if you made it to the end of the episode, please do that just to test out the feature and see if we can reply. All right. See you later. See you next week.